0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wages of Cinema. I am Jack. And once again, we're back with the local vocal series. Um, My guest is uh, somebody who I've been wanting to talk to for quite a while. Um, She's an actress, but she actually does a lot more. Um, And actually, let's just get right into it. Uh, Welcome, Jordan Elizabeth Gilbert.
1: Hello. Hello I know
0: we were just—it's—it's it's funny. I'm, I feel awkward doing this because we were just, uh, <laughs> re- trying to record before, and there was a technical glitch. Um, actually, I'm just curious. Do you, when when you're, when people talk to you, do you just say I'm Jordan, or do you make people say I'm Jordan Elizabeth Gelber? You might say both.
1: It's—it's <laughs> um, it's actually kind of funny. Um, so I've been saying Jordan Elizabeth Gelber for almost 10 years now only because i was watching law and order about 10 years ago and i discovered there's already an actor named jordan gelber and uh it's funny because people either assume i'm him when i'm on set or they're like oh my god do you know him so i have to specify jordan elizabeth so people know that i'm not a dude um
0: ah, so it's one of those <laughs> things like uh... Philip Seymour Hoffman, for example, had to yeah. add the Seymour because there was another Philip Hoffman out there. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, there's only so many variations of names out there. Um, right. What's funny is that Jordan Gelber and I have not met, but we've encountered a lot of the same people.
2: So <laughs> we had
1: a we had a big Twitter thing, and I was like, one day we will have Jordan Gelber meets Jordan Gelber, and we'll videotape it or something. Um, I, I, it, cra- it cracks me up, though.
0: I just, so pic- I just picture that suddenly when the two Gelbers unite, there will be kind of like a mass explosion or something. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah.
1: he's He's got a good following. So I'm lucky to like accidentally ride on those coattails, but he um, is very talented. He was in the original cast, like Avenue Q and dark horse. And he always plays like the security guy on law and order. So,
0: okay. Well that works. Um, what's up. Can you still hear me?
1: I can hear you fine.
0: Great. We're good. Great. Great. Yeah. I should, tell my, I should <laughs> tell my listeners. It's uh Kind of, you know, do an experiment here with Skype, but it seems to be working. Um, now, yeah, so uh, before we were talking about, so with, as, 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 along with being an actress, so you run this company called Star Baby Enterprises. Mm-hmm. Um, how, uh, let's actually, let me go back a little bit. How did you get started with it? Like, what was the kind of origin of it? Was it just kind of being frustrated with seeing, like, a lot of how, actors like try to you know to work in the business because it can be sometimes frustrating to balance out the the artistic side with the business side
1: um what a good question uh so for me I think I always knew that I wanted my own company or I always knew that I'd have some kind of company um just to give a little history not to bore you to death but um when I (laughs) When I was applying for college, I went to performing arts high school and I wanted to go to NYU and for Tisch and I wanted to go to Fordham. To me, those are the only two schools for some odd reason I could think about in New York City. Granted, there are so many other amazing schools that I didn't even think about or consider, but um, I didn't get in at the time. I don't think I had the grades. However, I got into Marymount Manhattan College um, and I decided I was going to act, I was going to go do it and I would study something else. Um, And throughout my time at Marymount, I developed this kind of concept. My thesis paper in college pretty much is the cornerstone of my company. I'm getting really nerdy now.
0: Um, No, no, no! Please be as nerdy as possible. I'm I'm nerdy myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, for me, I when I moved to the city and I decided I was going to go be an actor versus continuously studying acting. um, We had things like Actor Fest that was still around, and a lot of other kind of networking concepts that aren't around anymore, unfortunately, for actors. And I met my first acting coach, and she told me she saw me on Gossip Girls. So of course, I like drank the Kool-Aid and, and worked with her for a while. And um, and then I really was understanding that there's all this information out there for actors, but not there's no one who will really sit down and just explain public information to you. And it really pissed me off, because I would be on set of like NYU student films. Right. And, and like, I'd be in a scene with like a 16 year old. Meanwhile, I'm like 18 at the time. And this girl's mom is like, Oh my God. So how did you find out about this? You know, my daughter wants to be an actress. And I would tell her all the stuff that I had learned just by Googling or that I learned from my acting coach when she really was just giving me public information. And she got really mad when I told her that I felt really great helping people. And she got very like, threatened or very upset over the fact that I was giving out this information. Meanwhile, I'm going to school for marketing, I understand the difference between like private information and public information and I really got fed up and I decided that eventually I would probably develop something where I could help people kind of just break into the industry. because I found it really detrimental to actors who are going to school for acting, who are going to get a college degree in acting or BFA. And they're to- told uh, that they can't audition the entire time for any other projects for the entire time that they're in college, or at least, or at least they're told they can. But I had many friends who got booked for like off Broadway work, and their their teachers and advisors were like, "No, you can't do that, or we're gonna not be able to give you your grades." Oh. So to me, it just made me think of like, well, I'm a I'm a communication arts and graphic design major, and I'm no, I'm told go get an internship. Wouldn't being getting work experience and auditioning be no different than getting an internship? Is yeah, exactly. once you graduate. Because once you graduate, you're graduating with people who've been doing this longer than you who have been who who might be younger than you and have now so much more experience than you so um the, all these thoughts were going through my head, and at the time I was developing a really great graphic design portfolio, and I was starting to become a freelance graphic designer hmm. and um that's kind of how it all kind of started
0: and yes. so so and, you also have that skill too, so you're kind of like you have your hands in a lot of different skill sets it's not just the acting or the business you can also like design someone's site or even design like other things
1: to kind of like encapsulate everything without kind of making a long story is that I I developed my company um in 2013 after working with in corporate on and off for since I graduated college in 2010 Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: freelancing for that entire time And then I was trained for a year with a woman who was creating uh, fashion shows for the public because I don't know if for people who are in fashion may know this, but you might not know this, that um, there's no way that you can go see a fashion show. If you love fashion, you can't go see fashion unless you're in the press or industry. So if you want to go see your favorite designer up close the way that you would see your favorite musician up close, like at a concert, you really can't do that. So I learned how to create events and sponsorships and really learned a more creative business. And I went back to what I was really passionate about and I launched Star Baby Enterprises. So I launched Star Baby Enterprises in 2013, in August 2013, after quitting my job on an event that I had worked on for six months. Telling my oh, boss, "Screw wow. this," that's
0: and then quite a, that's quite a thing, <laughs> to suddenly do.
1: Yeah, and then I said, "Screw this," because she she trained me well, but it, we just were not. We it just wasn't worth it for me anymore. Um, and I and I started. I had my first fashion show two and a half weeks later, and it was sold out for 350 people. So I decided that. Okay, I guess I have an entrepreneurial mind, and I just started working and doing events, and then bringing all the other creative aspects that I love about that I love about business together because they all work together. Because I went to school for the idea that if I can, communication arts is about advertising and marketing. That's a lot of people who get mm-hmm. into a broadcast journalism or advertising. So I decided that if I can market a box of Wheaties. I can market an actor. And if I can market an actor, I can market myself as an actor. So all these things kind of tumbleweed together and they develop Star Baby Enterprises. So to kind of give the broad spectrum of what we do, yeah, it's right. taken many years to give you this sentence, let me tell you. But we are a marketing and production firm. So we take care of every aspect of the entertainment, fashion, and lifestyle industries in terms of like content creation or marketing or PR or and. Or now, of course, this big thing with actors, which is my business of acting division. So we do a lot of things that all revolve around, like, the business of entertainment. So if, if if like, if if I'm making a movie, and I'm going to use the analogy of baking a cake, if I'm making a movie, I have all the different ingredients that I need to put together to make that movie. So I have a finger in all those different ingredients, so to speak.
0: Yeah, because when I was looking on YouTube, uh, that's where a lot of the videos that you have with... uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, some of them are interviews, but some of them seem like kind of audition tapes. Uh, how, how do, do actors, so do actors come to you? Like, is that because now you've been, you've had this business now for a few years? Is it like they know the brand or how, how does that work? The, the sort of reaching um. out, is it networking?
1: Yeah, so last year, um, me and my boyfriend who who works with me sometimes, uh, he's like my operations manager. We sat down and we thought about a bunch of different people we wanted to connect with. And I told him how I had this idea of this business of acting thing and how I really hated the fact that, you know, it's the only industry where you throw so much money at the problem and then and the hopes of you're getting something. So we sat down and we decided that we wanted to connect with people that thought alike through, that we did. So, right, right. We so... We reached out to NY Castings, who is now one of our affiliates, Filmagon, who's one of our affiliates. Sorry, my phone, my computer just That's went fine. off. It adds <laughs> a little
0: bit of character to this conversation. Yeah, a little bit
1: of I never stopped working. Um, so we we connected with a lot of different people and then I we really sat down and said, There's no reason that I should be doing events. We really should be together since there's now two of us, we should be working on films and developing films. So we got involved, known as a company that works with actors and works with films, and we got this whole database of actors because we got involved with the Manhattan Monologue Slam. So a lot of people know who we are because we've really successfully aligned ourselves with other like communities, because a lot of people don't realize the entertainment industry, they all think it's like, oh, it's who you know, and you got to have to do favors and stuff. It's not necessarily who you know, it's also who you know not to know. But a big deal is like the community. So you have to really create relationships. You can't just say, oh, I know this person, this person will put me up on a TV Mm -hmm. show. It's about like, well, this person needs help with their TV show. And you're an actor and you you have many talents, but what else can you do? And how you know, how can we work together? So yeah, actors find me through all my different affiliates. and um, the way that the reason I have monologues up on my YouTube page is that any actors that I represent that I in terms of my business of acting coaching,
0: right
1: any actors that I represent, uh, what we do is I um, one of my packages offers that if you give me a monologue, I'll edit it and I'll put it up online. So now you have you start having materials. That help for your reel and that help for, um, you know, building up your marketing tactics. Sure.
0: Yeah, because-, because I think that's the thing that a lot of actors don't quite get. I mean, it's just some actors out there will think, oh, let me just get this role or that role. And let me try to build up enough so I can maybe make a reel. But ultimately, I mean, the the I guess one of the big struggles, uh, you know, in New York or L.A. or wherever you are is just because you know people who are hiring actors and I mean on really big things they they look at so many faces per day and it's mm-hmm. it's just like uh you you really have to suddenly put yourself out there in ways that make you stand out from the pack right
1: oh yeah no I mean like the the biggest thing that people need to realize is that the industry has completely changed. And that's for everyone in the in,
0: industry. In what way? Like, is it just um, like in how they hire people? Is it how they look at people?
1: It's how they hire people. It's how they look at people. It's how they interact with people. I mean, for me, the, re- the one reason that I got started was that MySpace just blew up. This is when MySpace <laughs> was no longer about being like social and like looking hot for all your friends. It was about the time where MySpace was really transitioning to this big music conglomerate. Where people would come and they would be bands and they would say, I don't need to label. I can put all my music up on MySpace and have all these people I'm already connected to and they could find out who I am. And a lot of people were becoming successful through MySpace and through YouTube and through Twitter and through Facebook. So this is the beginning of this whole social media celebrity era. And... Um, and now people don't understand, like, I don't want to be on social media. I'm like, do you understand how much free publicity you can get on social media? Yeah. Do you do you understand that it's like that word of mouth is still the number one source of free advertising? That to say no to that is like so ridiculous. And then, you know, you have people who are like, well... I mean, I just use it for personal stuff. I'm like, well, you know what? A lot of agents and ca- – oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Like A lot of agents and casting directors are on Twitter and are on Facebook. You can directly connect to them now. And you could you could tweet and hashtag and face space and all my great stuff about all the different projects you're currently working on. So then if they don't know who you are, but if you're working on a – like in a regional theater of um, – if you're working in a regional theater in the middle of nowhere, but you're doing a production of – let's say angels of america right uh-huh. and you take a picture of you doing rehearsal space all your actors you can tweet everyone who was in the hbo special and you can maybe one of them might retweet you be like i was so inspired by this performance i'm so grateful to to put myself out there today and i hope i do this this role justice and now you've connected to so many people who have such a direct link to that already through social media then people who didn't know who you existed before now know who you exist because you're tapping into that community concept that I was saying before. Um, social media allows us to do that. So, and,
0: so, so when, so, so in the when like if a casting director will they actually look at like how many likes your Facebook page has, for example, like is that um, almost their barometer? Because in a way that might that, that might be slightly tipping the scales in a way.
1: Um, I would say in a, in some ways yes. Uh, what a lot of people don't know is like a lot of people know what IMDb Pro is, but they don't necessarily understand why there's an IMDb Pro or the importance of IMDb Pro. And the importance of IMDb Pro is that it shows a lot of how the marketplace is responding to, you know, the actors in the in the realm. So, for example, like if right now I go on IMDb Pro and I can see that Jennifer Lawrence is number one, Right. So if I'm a producer of a film and I'm going to make it a union film and I want good talent, I want someone who has high numbers like Jennifer Lawrence. So it's the same thing with the likability factor on social media. If you're a new actor, but you have a good good following that you've generated completely on your own, which is really fantastic. If you have a following that you've generated completely on your own and then a casting director can Google you and see that you have a fan base. That it's dedicated to you without every anyone even knowing to you, that could be very appealing. That's your marketability factor. Mm. And and secondly though, if you look like a hot mess on all your social media, you might be a great actor. But if you're socially a hot mess, no one wants to hire that. No one <laughs> wants to, to do that. And if you're you're publicly yeah. stewing the fact that like you like to get drunk and and be stupid on the weekends, that might not go along well with a lot of the um, kind of mission behind these films that are being made so you have to be very specific in what you put out there and if you my rule of thumb is if you don't want your mom seeing it you probably shouldn't put it up there
0: yeah that was one of the things that I I think that one of the videos I watched was you basically giving tips about things like that like not looking like a hot mess uh, (laughs) so to speak Um, you know, trying to be presentable, trying to... But, I mean, are those things that actors get wrong all the time? Is that something that you see Mm -hmm. really happening a lot, or are they getting the message?
1: Oh, yeah, I see it consistently, consistently. Um, For example, like, like, we... Me and my team, we do a lot of, like, production on both ends. So we're in front of the camera, but also a lot of time we're behind the camera, we help with casting a lot of the time. And people will come in, and they think, like... Like my my best, my favorite thing is when people don't dress their age or they come in with like, I have these girls who are like 18, they come in with full face and makeup trying to play a 30 year old. said you don't want to do that. I don't want, I don't need to see like you all the place, like understand the kind of job you're going for. And that, and that's one thing that I really try to educate with the actors that work with me is the fact that this is a business. So an audition is a job interview. It's no different. If Why would you show up to a job interview? I'm sorry, looking like, like a skank or why would you show up <laughs> to a job interview looking like a bum? I mean, it's the same, it's the same concept. I'm not going to hire you. You should be able to separate who you are with your talents versus who you are as a person because they're both one and the same. However, you know, the, this is this is the, the best way I can explain it. I, I As a graphic designer, I have my graphic design portfolio. So I use actors' portfolio a lot in when I teach. And um, when I say actors' portfolio, I liken it to when I was a graphic designer, I had an array of images that I had created and projects that I had been a part of that showed my flavor, but how I added my flavor to these very cool projects. And the fact that, um, <clears throat> the fact that, people hired me because they liked the zest that I added to these projects and they wanted to add that to their experience. So for the same way with acting, it's like you have your portfolio to show what you're capable of and how mm-hmm. you can add your unique perspective to any project that you work on. Right. But if you don't show up and you're not prepared and your headshot is like disgusting and your resume is not properly formatted if, and you have all this stuff on it, I had a girl who showed up and met me. She had six pages of a resume. I said, would (laughs) you hand this in for business interview? She's like, no, it's
0: just kind of funny.
1: It's true though, because people are so like, they're, they're so, um, taken aback by the fact that it's like the entertainment industry, right? Like, it's, Oh my God. But the fact is, is like these agents, they need you just as much as you need them. So do these managers. So these Mm -hmm. casting directors and, you know, Treat it professionally. It's a job interview. Treat them as such. Be communicative. Don't, you know, don't come in there and, and totally go, be totally off the rocker. You now, be presentable. Say no, like,
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry? No, 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 no. no go, go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, no, no. I mean, I can go on a rant about this. But is <laughs> that like, I tell everyone, you should be prepared. You should have the basics of a portfolio to explain who you are. And if you have absolutely nothing, you can get away with a lot of like, you know, I'm naive. I don't know much. But at the same time, like, take the mile. Be like, I haven't really gotten... I really haven't done anything, but I'm very passionate about acting. And I'm here because I'd love to find out more. I'd love to be a part of your project. Um, so.
0: Now, when you get people who uh, come to you like actors, like, mm-hmm. usually, generally, are they kind of novices? Like, when, when it comes to this, do you... Like, in terms of kind of giving them acting coaching, are they some of them because sometimes certain actors have strengths in different ways some actors might be stronger at comedy some might be you know just full-on dramatic and they wouldn't know funny if it bit them in the face Um, (laughs) I
1: get get an array of actors I have and I have like the people who are just starting and really just want someone to hold their hand and say hey can you just Tell me where I'm supposed to go or what I'm supposed to do just to have a better understanding. And then they can have my numbers and they, if ever they should have a question. Um, I also have a lot of people who've been around for a while and just don't want to know why they haven't reached the level of success that they want. So I treat them like any other business would. Mm-hmm. I say, okay, well, what's your brand? Where do you want to get to? And how can we rebrand you to get there? So, like, for example, I had someone who had a I always give free consultation. So I had a, someone at a consult with me, and they I said, Well, what is your goal? What do you want to do? He's like, Well, I really want to be like the really nice guy next door. I really want to be on like these ABC family shows and like be seen as like this cool guy. You know, but I keep getting cast as as like the the bad boy next door or the drug addict or the juvie. And I'm like, Do you want me to tell you why? He's like, Yeah, I'm like, Well, your headshots make you look like you're, you know. You're, you're a bad guy. If you, you know, if you're going out for a role, you should be having images that convey that. Like you should, everyone should always have two headshots. Everyone should have different looks. They should be prepared to pull whatever they can to show how versatile they are. This doesn't mean you have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on this material, but, like, dive into yourself. This is a creative industry. This is a, an art form where you can mold yourself in so many different ways. And then I have a lot of people who are like, well, I really want to be the bad girl, but I keep getting cast this, and I'm so sick of it. And I'm like, you know what? You have to understand what your stereo, you're being typecasted as before you can break the mold of your typecast. So that's your bread and butter. If someone's going to hire you because you look like this and you want to be a successful actor, and by successful I mean – make a living as an actor you have to understand how the the industry is receiving what you're putting out there and you have to be honest with yourself about that so if they don't like how they're being seen we come up with rebranding strategies that would be successful that would get them to the direction that they want to get to
0: yeah because i know that sometimes in the industry whether whether it's whether it's somebody who you know because sometimes typecasting is just a hazard because sometimes Mm -hmm. people may be typecast even if they're doing everything right but what you're saying though is that no you can comp- you can control your image and try to make yourself mm-hmm. what you want to be mm-hmm. all right um i was just curious if i could maybe go back just a little bit um you yes. mentioned that you went to the you, you went to the high school of performing arts
1: Oh, I went to a performing arts high school. I went so when I, I grew up in Connecticut, as I was like to say I was taken hostage and raised in Connecticut. Because <laughs> uh, I was born in Manhattan, which would have been so much cooler. Um but
0: Well, well um, what happened though? Is it just like your family got work and went to Connecticut?
1: No, it's just my parents um they wanted to raise a they wanted to raise a kid and at the time it, it just they didn't want to, they didn't like the way the schools were at the time, and they wanted to give me a full experience of like playing with a yard and stuff. And you can't really do that. A little more in,
0: suburban environment.
1: A little more suburban. Mm. But uh, I think the, the biggest thing about my, my school was that I went to performing arts magnet school. So I went half day to regular high school, half day to performing arts high school. Um, and It was pretty cool. I really, really loved it. And, um... well,
0: well, tell me, though, I mean, like, is it, uh, I mean, because the image that I get, and I don't know if this is uh, a little bit, like, stereotyped through movies and stuff, but of course, you know, the first thing that pops into my head is something like fame, which, uh, you know, I guess, obviously, that was <laughs> a very different time in a very different city, but do you get, like, those kind of intense personalities around uh, you? Is yeah. it hard to kind of stand out? <laughs> And yeah. I'm I'm not saying everybody starts something no. goes out in the street and starts dancing on cars.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. We don't start dancing in the street. But I mean, going to a performing arts high school was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, it really was. I was feeling very uh very closed in uh-huh. and not able to have a, a voice in my in my normal high school. And then going to this madness school it had towns from all over all over the um the state so it was really great for me to meet other people who were like-minded and I got to do some really excellent stuff and I got to really push my personal boundaries in ways that I wasn't being pushed in high school so I got to do what I love which is acting I got to skip gym class which was great and I got to get, I got to um really explore myself and I and I like all those relationships are so extremely important to me now
0: were um, there were there any people there that uh, were kind of your group? Were there people there who went on to kind of bigger and greater things?
1: Um, well, ironically, my boyfriend and I are high school sweethearts, we met there.
0: So Oh, both. that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's very very sweet.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's very vomit worthy, but the fact is like the two of us are very passionate and now we get to do all these great things that we always talked about when we were younger. And then um a few of my friends went on to do some, some stuff, like went on to theaters and, and things, and I think some of them were performing around the, around the country in theater. But um, in terms of TV and film, I think there's a couple of people who are older than me that became very successful. Um, but uh, what's ironic for me, the most successful person I've ever gone to school with is that when I went to Marymount Manhattan College, my graduating class had Melissa Benoist, who's
2: Supergirl.
0: Oh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've seen that. I went to college with her, um, so it cracks me. Like, I was never really good friends with her or anything, but I ballroom dancing with her. She's very nice. She's extremely nice. So I'm really happy for her. But yeah. um,
0: well, why? Hope, why why'd hope she's nice? I mean, she is Supergirl. Yeah, no. But <laughs> it'd be like, weird she, to meet Supergirl and find out she's a bitch. <laughs> no,
1: it's, to me, it's, it's she's the one of the only people I've ever really met that I feel that she really deserved it. She worked very hard and she was so happy doing that. So it's great to see people like that and the fact that you've been around them. Um, Oh, also, other people that were at my school, my high school, uh, Grant Rosenmeier, who was Oliver Bean and Mm. a couple other things. He just came out with a new film called Temps. Uh, But yeah, I've I've encountered some cool cool stuff. And then um, yeah, then another kid that I went to performing arts high school who was actually from my town, Ben Bass, he's in the the production of woodsman right now so um which sure. is really big in broadway right now so yeah i've, I've got I've come across some really cool people and hopefully pe- really cool people say the same stuff about me
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so so when you were so when was it when when you were in high school was that where you started to kind of fully identify what type of actor you were going to be or or was that maybe more in college was it kind of like college was more where the other Skills started to bloom, and you know you had to kind of keep a little bit of high school and a little bit of college together. I don't know if that question makes sense. well, no, it's
1: but... a good question. It makes sense. My my biggest regret will always be that I didn't go to conservatory college. I don't know why I never auditioned for Marymount, but I didn't. Um, however, being as an actor, I honed in my skills. I always knew I wanted to be an actor since I was like eight. So I had many. I had one great mentor who's still my who's my acting coach from the class that I teach. I've been working with him since I've been fourteen. Um and this was pretty much half my life. Oh and, yeah,
0: fourteen. Wow, that that's quite a commitment.
1: Yeah, I know. He, he's been one of the few teachers that really pushed me and I've kept in contact with a lot of my teachers that I had at, at RCA, which is my performing arts high school. So my that high school really developed me as an actor. I really got as in terms of it's okay to be to look ugly, it's okay to to break the mold, it's okay to not give a fuck, uh, not really care. No, no, you
0: can curse. It's- <laughs> not give
1: a fuck about anything and just be you and do what feels natural for you. Like the most unique experience to me was that we were doing a scene showcase one night and I was working with another actor who, who um maybe it wasn't as experienced as me, but it was fun to work with him. And it was just one of those moments when you're on stage and the entire audience disappeared. Like it didn't feel... Like I was performing, it felt like it was real and i and I know that sounds super cheesy, but that 's probably the most rewarding thing for me so when i 'm on when i 'm on stage and i've had it happen several times when that moment where you're you're kind of developing like a living snapshot, a moving snapshot, and you 're a part of it, and it seems like it 's real life it 's like the coolest experience in the world, so I really developed that when I was at r c a and then as I've grown as an actor over the last 10 years, um, I've had many new ways of looking at things and my experiences in both business and personal have really, um, added new levels to my performance abilities and, and all these abilities. I, I still utilize the tips and tricks and baseline that I learned at my performing arts high school. So yes, that, that pretty much is where I began. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. because no, I, I guess I asked because when I, um, because again, also kind of looking at some of your stuff on YouTube, I, I came across uh, uh, just earlier this morning this monologue that you gave. I guess it must have been maybe a year ago about uh, like Barbie heads. <laughs> <laughs> it um, was. It was very. It was. It was. It was, kind, it was very funny. It was very. It was a little bizarre. I, I like that mounting bizarreness in a monologue. Um, um, but, but, but it also felt like, I mean, you were still playing it to some degree of truth. Um, yeah. so that's kind of, a, I feel like probably the goal of an actor is to even find like the truth in something absurd as like a Barbie doll monologue.
1: Yeah. I think that it, it's really funny to me. Like I love all the different characters I love to play. I'm a big character actor. It's probably my favorite thing to do. Mm. Cause I feel like if I do anything else, I'm too much like Jordan, um, and I'm not like Jordan, who's chameleonizing herself into whoever.
0: Um, you need to be uh, jo- you need to be Jordan Prime. You don't want to be like Jordan Zero or something like that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I know really it's a wanna... weird.
0: Thing, but <laughs> it just popped in my head, uh, that.
1: no, it makes total sense because the fact is like that Barbie monologue. They performed that the Manhattan monologue slam in the championships. Mm-hmm. Um, And that was so much fun because my, my monologue that I won the Manhattan monologue slam with the, in December of 2014, which got me to the championship monologue that you saw was completely different. And I wanted to show a kind of entirely different monologue. And, um, and it was, it was funny because the the monologue that I won with, I wrote and it was about like a bitter relationship because every girl has a bitter relationship monologue. And, uh, um, and it was so different because I was, like, so hurt and angry. And this other monologue was, like, I was hurt and angry. But, like, the absurdity of what was happening to me was so baffling to that character. So it was great to play, like, bitter relationship. But, like, you have the sad moments, which are the obvious ones. And then you have the, the funny, like, can you believe this is actually happening to me moments. And it was really cool to have two different characters. So, um, yeah, I love it. All I was thinking about was, like, this dainty girl who finds out that her husband has like a Barbie doll fetish and it's like the funniest thing. And it's so normal, which is the ironic thing. It's like, it's such a normal concept. Like, of course there's some like really vanilla, like white toast girl out there who finds out that her husband in his like moose sweater is such a deviant and that she didn't even know about. And she's more upset that he kept a secret versus the fact that he's a deviant. I find that so funny.
2: But you see, Kip had this sweater drawer And one time I was home and I was rotating the sweaters and I I came across this box. It was this carved wooden box that we got on our honeymoon to Mexico and instantly I was reminding myself of beaches and Mayan ruins and too much tequila (laughs) and then I opened it. And inside were these Barbie heads (laughs) from Barbie dolls but just the heads, detached. And they all had this mangy hair and these dull faces and this strange disinfectant smell. And, and I thought to myself, well, this is weird. And, and not because just the heads, but the fact that my husband had kept a secret from me. So when he came home that night, I confronted him. I was, honey, what's this? And instantly he started crying and I thought, well, this isn't good and and after an hour of utter silence he says to me cast it's like this apparently kip heard about some guy who would swallow barbie heads and would derive extreme sexual pleasure from passing them and Kip <laughs> be
1: um because it's, it's a real it's, – it's something people can relate to, even if the most absurd thing. Like, even – like, I'm a huge Doctor Who nerd. Like, not like oh, of course. Doctor Who. Doctor Who nerd because, you know. Uh, or or aren't
0: they called Whovians?
1: Hoovians, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah. to me, the reason why even fantastical shows like that are so appealing to the masses is because it's real. Everybody wants to find a companion to escape and travel the world with. And even in, like, when you're talking about whatever alien species they're encountering that day, it's so different than encountering all different people around the world. So every every acting bit should have something relatable because if you make it too much, like, acting or jesting, it takes away from the fact that it is a craft and takes away from the fact that you're telling a story. right. Yeah. So.
0: So, how many times did you do the the this monologue slam like over the years? Is it oh, is that happened. your first time?
1: No, I performed the monologue slam the first time in like sometime in 2014, and I won. Oh. I did it on a fluke. I was in it with an acting teacher, and he was like taking his whole class to perform, and he was just like, "You should do it." And I said, "Okay, great." Um, I said, "Okay, great," and I'll do it, and. I performed and it, a monologue that I used to use for my college auditions that I pulled out of nowhere. You know, I hadn't done this audition, this monologue, in like forever, and I did it, and they loved it. And they it was 30 seconds. So the, the way that it goes, you do a 30 second monologue, and if they choose you out of like the 30 to 50 people that perform that night, they choose five people, and you compete in the next month. Next month, so I competed and I got to perform a two minute monologue in November of 2014 or December of 2014. And, and out of the five people that competed, I won. And that led me to rounds. perform again, uh, which is the monologue that you saw, which was the champion. So what happens with the monologue slam is every month there's a winner. And then in like January, February of the next year, they do a super slam where they have all the people who won the last year compete against each other. It's pretty cool.
0: And does everybody write their own monologues or can you get someone to write a monologue for you if you're like feeling a little stumped or?
1: oh, or... uh, You don't have to, you don't have to do anything that you wrote. You don't like it's, you can do whatever you want to a lot. Oh, I mean, okay. Yeah. For me at that moment in time, I felt very passionate about writing something. So it was pretty cool. Uh,
0: that's that's great. That's great. So um, now uh, another question or I don't know if I have a list of questions, just things that I'm thinking about because literally last night um, I was catching up with uh, the Americans and uh, and I and I suddenly am watching a scene and all of a sudden I see oh it's Jordan (laughs) (laughs) like you're you're sitting there as uh, the secretary by uh, um, by the FBI director's desk and um, and so I, I was just like that's so cool but I guess I'm I'm curious about like is that something that you're doing kind of, is that something that happens, right? It's basically so, like an extra role.
1: Yeah. So that, that happened as a fluke. I, I really am very grateful and I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. Um, so I started, um, I, uh, I, I watched, I binge watched the Americans at the end of last year during like Thanksgiving break or something. And I was very like, Oh my God, this show's amazing. Oh my God, it films, the films in New York. Oh my God, I have to be on the show. I don't care. And I, and I do extra work here and there. Cause I just love being on set. And I'm union, so it's nice sometimes. Um, but no, I, I just love being on set because it's a. I meet a lot of actors there. I mean, and every actor is working on something, and they need help, or they they're working on something and they want you to see, or they want to get more people involved, or whatever. So I love being on set. And I and I got asked to. I, I applied for a job, and then I got there, and they are like, "Well, right now we need you to be the. Uh, you can sit here. So now, like, I have a. I have a little bit of a role. I don't have any lines yet, but I do have a, a name.
0: No, no, you, you, yeah, that, that seemed like you do, you were serving a function in that scene. I mean, Martha's gone and now they have to uh, have another secretary and you know, you have to be there and (laughs) smile as you take the papers and you know, make sure you don't bug their office this time. So
1: (laughs) yeah, no. So right now I'm the replacement of the head of the FBI secretary. So we'll, we'll see. Um, I didn't get to watch last night's episode, so I don't know everything that's going on. But uh, right now, Martha's arc, they're going to figure out what they're going to do with that, whether she's returning or she's leaving or whatever. But right now, I'm, I'm playing the head of the FBI secretary. So I'm a little, I'm like a featured extra, but we'll see where this grows into. So I'm really fortunate in how that turned out.
0: Um, yeah, because yeah have- that, that sounds like a good opportunity. And I guess, you know, obviously, another thing that, if nothing else, you could put on your resume hey, I was on the Americans. Yeah. And, you know, people can see that right away and be like, oh, wow. And and as, I guess you said also earlier that – so Gossip Girl was also something that you did?
1: No, Gossip Girl was something that I really wanted to do. My oh. fir- my first thing that I ever really did, I was on One Life to Live before the soaps ended. So that oh. was kind of like one milestone for me I really wanted to do, and I was able to do it before it ended. So that was cool.
0: Let me ask you about that. I'm, uh, now I'm curious because uh, – so on a soap opera, those – From what I understand, those type of shoots are very intense because they have to, you know, crank them out like, uh, you know, (laughs) almost like a meat grinder because they, you know, I I don't know if, you know, there are very limited soaps today. But, you know, there was a time where soap operas, they, you know, you crank out, you know, these super dramatic episodes day after day. Like, was that something that you witnessed kind of happening?
1: Yeah, I was, um, I played like a waitress a couple times on the show in like two different diners. <laughs> um, but it, it's a really, here's what I'll say. It's a really small set and everyone is super professional because it's like a really quiet, closed-in set.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: and it, it's very like old Hollywood the way that it's all set up,
0: and um, so yeah. everything so everything keeps going like nothing ever stops. Yeah,
1: and it, and um and just like everyone knows you, and it was at like the ABC, ABC headquarters, and it was really it it was really great just because like the everyone knew each other, and everyone knew what they were doing. Um, so they crank out a lot of episodes at once, but everyone is so used to it, they're just very heavily dramatic scenes because you're playing it up a little bit. It's a little little played up. But it was really exciting. It's one of those really great experiences I was very fortunate to have. Mm. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, they're not really around anymore. Oh, only that, last that's
0: a shame. Time. Yeah, because a lot of actresses, I mean, back in the day, I mean, people like uh, like Julianne Moore, I think, got her start on a soap opera. And it's hard to think like, wait, Julianne Moore? But she's like one of the great actresses of our time. But no, she, she, was, in, she was totally in a soap. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, I'm kind of curious, but now now uh, now you do something like a soap opera, you do something like the Americans, but you do you still do like in do you act in independent uh productions? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I do. I um I'm working on a new film called Brian, and then I'm going to be in two other films this summer.
0: Now, is that like at all of a strange thing to suddenly go from a set like The Americans where everybody you know, imme- you know, knows their job, and everybody is super tight. And then to an independent set, which not that they're not knowing what they're doing, but sometimes with independent filmmakers, you know, it's a little bit maybe slightly looser. Maybe it's a little bit more about let's find the moment a little bit longer. Is that a different process? Is it better? It's
2: it's not actually better. I think
1: I think it's a matter of the perspective of the director and the writer.
2: Mm.
0: So
1: whatever is done in the directing sense and whatever is done in the, in the creative sense is putting things together that makes everything happen. And, and, um, I think we're going to, um, find a way like when well, on these independent films, is that, you know, if you it's entirely different rehearsal project. So like process. Sure. So so like you're doing scenes. Like to me, it's the same way on T V and film. It's just that like when you're on an actual set it's used all the time and it's kind of like an actual it's a set set. A lot of films have sets, but like obviously it's like a feature film and it has a set. But not necessarily the um like a like a an independent film, well, we might go to like a a location that works well for the day, and a film can be shot in two weeks. It can take a couple of months. It all depends. It's not necessarily like a huge change. It's just a matter of like, well, who are the players? What is this for? Because a movie, a film, can, is a one-off project. Where like a series is a whole storybook. Right.
0: Of so course, yeah,
1: made sense. <laughs> like, no,
0: no, no. It totally does. I mean, I guess the other thing too. I mean, for my because I've also had this experience where. You know, as much as I might love to shoot something, you know, full block and just shoot day after day after day, like, you know, a lot of film, most films do. You know, sometimes if you're a little bit tight with money or, you know, if maybe making the movie isn't the full time job, you might have another full time job and have to do on the weekends. But it seems like the real key thing is to just keep the focus on... Like the drama, to make sure that the drama is, not the drama, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that if you're suddenly coming back to set after not being there for like a week or two, you know, your director has to be really good with you in order to get you back to a point where you previously were in like another scene or another scenario.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just like, for example, like the series, there was a whole bunch of people who've been there for so long. So they already knew like, everyone on set. Where like, on these films, everyone's kind of meeting for the first time. When these, these series, everyone's been working together for so long. And, and that's kind of like being the new kid on the block is kind of hard. That's probably the only thing that's really I find difficult between being cast like as a one-off on a TV show versus being cast in an independent film or a feature film.
0: Yeah, because I guess it would be a little bit lonelier than when you suddenly get to have this a little bit more of a community feeling and get to talk a little bit more
1: yeah Yeah.
0: but um anyway so i guess a couple of other things i was thinking about um so um with this so let me tell ask you now the the actor's toolbox Mm -hmm. that's part of the that's part of of course the main one of the key things with star baby like is that that's connected with a lot of the actors who who come to you or is it more like a workshop um it's more of a wow my phone everything's
1: going off today
0: (laughs) don't worry it won't be that much longer okay um um, yeah the
1: actors no no the actors toolbox is a class that we offer um and it's for people, each class is like, it's a hybrid of acting, business of acting and acting for TV and film. So we have the first part of the class is like business of acting. One, like We have a level one, a level two, and we're going to develop a level three. The level one is business of acting 101 and acting for TV and film focus on monologues. Um, <clears throat> and then level two will be about uh, business of acting, but another aspect of it, like more so applying it, and then it's going to be focused on scene study. So we give all the actors who sign up like material before they come to class, and then what the, cl- the what happens is that they work one on one with the acting coach after learning with me all these business of acting tips and tricks, and then they work with the acting coach, and then. What they're working the material they're working on with the action coach, once they get to a really good point with it, like once they've rehearsed to a really great point, is we record it. And the following week, they get a copy of it. So it's, the, it's a learn, see, do class, is the best way I can explain it is that they learn the business of acting, they rehearse a piece for their toolbox because they're learning a monologue or a scene or something that they can utilize for future auditions. Then they get a copy of what they've been working on and they'll apply what they learned in the business of acting aspect to market that piece. That we recorded so it's it's really great it's like very <clears throat> intense and very thorough kind of class
0: yeah it sounds like you're you really put them through uh the works is it like did you like now did you take a lot did you and I'm, I'm guessing you're you've done acting workshops yourself in the past mm-hmm. now did you take what you learned from that and took like good things that you learned and then tried to you know strip away anything that didn't work for you like is that sort of how you came to it
1: yeah. Um, I came to it because for me, I really was sick of just spending money and I wanted something that was affordable and that kind of gave a little bit of everything. And so I really, when I developed the class, I was like, well, what's important? What's important is this um, <clears throat> learning the ins and out." Like I had like a cheat sheet of all the acting sites I give to the actors and kind of let them think differently about the industry. And then For me, then the acting for TV and film, the class, it was important because, like, this person's helped me for so long, and I wanted them to really work one-on-one because I saw so many classes that were just, like, cattle calls. They would have 50 people in a class, each paying so much money, and then they wouldn't get any one-on-one time with the teacher. And I said, Hmm. this is ridiculous. Or there'd be classes where it didn't have any levels whatsoever. And um,
0: So this is a lot more intensive. Like, is it just you or are there other instructors?
1: uh i'm the business of acting consultant and then um tom helps me with uh, tom's my operations person he helps me with all like the filming and stuff and then uh frank patrilli who's the acting coach is the acting coach that we use so it's the three of us and then we had some great sponsors involved as well who give us some cool stuff and now we're working with the actors corner so that'll add some new um exposure and new insight to the class as well
0: great great that's uh yeah, that that's just it's it's kind of a fascinating process to me because I mean it's cuz actors will go through a lot of different ways. I mean, some actors might take you know a longer form class. They might go to a school for it like separately, but then this workshop, you know, even if you know you don't learn every single thing that you might learn at a, at a regular acting school, you do still get that attention that will, you know, benefit them in the long run. Mm-hmm. yeah um so let me just uh so i guess i guess we could wrap this up in a minute or two but i'm just uh so what are, what are some what are some other projects coming up for you is it uh mostly star baby actors toolbox are there any other <laughs> um, uh
1: Actress toolbox um we're gonna have a couple new classes coming up um <clears throat> so that's exciting. And then Star Baby, we're producing three films right now. Uh, no, two films and two series right now. So that's oh. really exciting. Oh, so, uh, so you're a
0: producer on those?
1: Yeah, I produce a lot of the stuff I'm involved with. And um, only because I like I like making sure everything's at the par. Right. And I really love getting involved with all aspects of it, just so they can see like I'm really dedicated to their projects. Like, thank you for casting me. I'm really dedicated to making this amazing. Um... <clears throat> And then that's about it. Just keep working and working and hopefully being cast in more large pictures coming up soon.
0: Right on, right on. And uh, so I could just say that on, so the one thing on YouTube, your, your pages, the the channel is, uh, you can find it simply at Star Baby Enterprises. Yep. And then is there a website too? Is it like, can we find you on the web?
1: Yep. Starbabyenterprises.com
0: great and then also uh you know jordan elizabeth gelber you have a fan page on there on Mm -hmm. facebook okay great um yeah yeah, this has been a this has been a good talk I'm, i'm glad i finally got to ask you some things about the process and all these classes and stuff um and uh i hope to talk to you soon thanks for coming on today
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, and uh, this is Jack from The Wages of Cinema, and uh, this is the sign off here. Remember, The Wages of Cinema is deaf. Uh, have a good day.